Welcome back to another episode of Gain, Grow, Retain. Uh, for today, we've got Brian Oblinger, who is the Chief Community Officer at Brian Oblinger Strategic Consulting, uh, which is always fun. You were uh, able to, to venture off and start your own consulting firm, so kudos, Brian. I know that's always um, a tough question to uh, figure out for yourself and actually you know, take that leap. Uh, but we had the chance to meet Brian recently. I've heard a ton of great things in the industry just about uh, what Brian's been able to do. He's got an awesome podcast that I've listened to before as well. So uh, brings a ton of B2B community type experiences um, that I'm excited to listen to today. So Brian, thanks for, for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Awesome. We always like to start with a fun question. So um, I'm going to go with something off the wall here, but what's your favorite fruit? Ooh, uh, pineapple for sure. Ooh, all right. I like that because I'm uh, I too would say pineapple. So I feel like we're we're in good kinder, company. Jay, kinder fruit spirits over here. Here's a here's a question. Do you eat do you like pineapple in your candied yams at Thanksgiving? You ever had that? Ooh, I've never had that. No, but now uh, I'm I'm taking notes here, Jay. I'm gonna I'm gonna try that next year. <laughs> Excellent. I highly recommend it. Jay, what's your favorite fruit? I don't know if I've ever asked you that. Um you know, that's a great question. I love grapes. I just think like grapes, I call them like little little orbs of goodness from heaven. Like they're just, I mean, think about it. It's like this little ball of like sweet juice. It's, you can make wine out of them. Like grapes are just good. So yeah, there's, there you go. I'm pretty sure my, I'm pretty sure my wife would agree with you in all aspects, the wine part, the, the goodness part, you know, like uh, everywhere. I thought you knew uh, everything about me, Jeff, but there's still a yeah. lot, a lot of layers to go back here, buddy. Jay, Jay and I are starting a, uh, a fruit podcast. If anybody's interested, <laughs> yeah. um, tune in weekly. Uh, Fruitcast. Use, yeah. use code pineapple at checkout for 10% off. Hey, I'll, I'll I know because I'm listening to uh, In Before the Lock every single week, and I'll, I'm going to know if you steal my fruit question with you between you and Erica. <laughs> uh, and I'm hoping that that becomes the next episode starter where you ask Erica what her favorite fruit is, and uh, that would that would be a nice uh, nice homage. I'm uh, sure our audience would uh, very much appreciate that. Hey Brian, explain the title of that podcast. Yeah, so In Before the Lock. Uh, so I go way back in this uh, community industry. Uh, I've been doing this for for 20 years. So basically back to the beginning of it in terms of like online communities on the internet. And um, for anybody who's savvy out there and has been around a while, you know that uh, the, the flame wars of yore uh, on uh, forums, you know, back in the day. Um, there's a famous sort of, uh, it's, it's like a meme, right? Where people post uh, in before the lock, meaning they know it's off the rails. They know it's going to get deleted or locked by a moderator. Um, and so they're just getting like their free post in. And so Erica and I just wanted to, you know, uh, pay, pay homage to our, uh, our, our past and, and kind of have it be something to be like a fun nod, you know, for our, our audience there. That is very cool. I feel like so naive now about community. <laughs> but, but that, I love it. It's good. Oh, that's good. Uh, awesome. Well, Brian, we were talking a little bit about some, um, you know, topics and uh, I recently came across your uh, presentation that you did recently at the ISCL Summit 2020, uh, just around kind of solving business problems, how community and, and starting to think about uh, calculating ROI and, um, you know, how do you start thinking about just telling that story? And so um, I definitely think that's something that our, uh, our audience here and our members at Gangro Retainer are thinking about customer success leaders. They're trying to understand how does community kind of fit within their customer success strategy uh, for the most part. And so, um, you know, I'm curious, some of the things that you had mentioned in that presentation, um, especially maybe that resonated with me the most is, um, you know, starting to think about frameworks. And also, I think maybe what I picked up most is that you also help people start thinking about, about where to start. Um, Cause I think sometimes people are, are hung up on like the, the big ROI metric, like, Oh, we, 
you know, deflected uh, this amount of cases and this turned into that much of revenue, or we had this many upsell or cross-sell opportunities, uh, we retained this much revenue, right? Like all, it always gets down to revenue at the end of the day, but I think sometimes people get hung up on that because uh, you need so much data to help maybe tell that story. And so uh, where do you, I don't know, where do you like people to start when you start trying to answer that question of, of telling, you know, the ROI story, um, especially in, in community and B2B SaaS? Yeah, I mean, for me, it starts with what are your actual high level business objectives, right? And it's kind of funny because, uh, you know, I sign these contracts and I show up at these at these companies. And the first question I ask is, you know, okay, great, like, let's get started. What are your goals and objectives? And some people have very clear goals and objectives. And a lot of people just stare at me blankly, right? Um, and so thus begins the process of, okay, let me help you craft what your goals and objectives should be. And you know, so I certainly come from the community side of that, but I also come from a, a business background. And so what I try to do is marry those two things together and say, you know, hey, look, if you're in customer success and you're trying to, uh, you know, limit your churn or increase retention or, or those kinds of metrics, right? Great. Those are your high level business objectives. What can we do now from a community or customer experience perspective to make sure you're hitting those targets? And then we'll go set goals for the community or customer experience or advocacy or whatever we're doing. Um, that line up to those. And that way people can draw a really straight line from, oh, okay, I understand what we're doing and how that maps to what my high level business objectives are. And that helps them tell the story internally of, hey, why are we doing this? Why is it important? You know, that kind of a thing. Yeah. that And the idea there too, that I think um, maybe I've noticed a lot in my career is, is sometimes people jump over that step of, of even just elaborating on that story of how we're going to go from uh, to those high level business objectives. You know, I think sometimes uh, people just miss the the leading indicator part, right? We've got, I, like, I like the way you thought about that. We've got all these things that can kind of lead us up into some of those business objectives that we're trying to achieve. Um, and part of the the whole idea though, is that we have a story to tell. It's not just, we can just throw up and flash one metric and it's going to you know help, help us in, in every instance. It's like, how do we actually help navigate and show that we're making progress, that we're moving the right things, that we're engaging the right people um, in order to actually make an impact on that number? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, so I try to set those, like, let's get our goals and objectives in order. And then we go do all the things you just said, which is, okay, let's go wrap a story around this and explain to everybody in the organization, here's, here's what we're doing. Here's why it's important. Here's what, how you can get involved, right? What I need from you essentially. And then ultimately answer the, the, the question that everybody wants answered, which is what's in it for me. Right. And so as you go around and you talk to these different business units, that's going to be their ultimate question. And that's the messaging you have to bring is to say, you know, Hey, look, if you're in, if you're in customer support, we're going to help you decrease your costs, right? We're going to deflect tickets. We're going to make sure your CSAT is higher. Right. We, we mentioned some of the customer success ones. Um, you know, sales will have their own, right? They, they want to drive revenue. They want to make their expands larger, right? And so, so I kind of try to think about, you know, how do I put myself in their shoes and what do they care about? And then line up what we're doing and the story that we tell so that they, they understand it. It's in their language. It's in their, their DNA. And they go, oh, great. Yeah, this is awesome. I'd love to participate. And, and let's share together in what the, the outcomes and the results are, right? And that's how you build this coalition uh, across the organization to, to really drive change and, and ultimately value. I mean, ultimately, I mean, it, it, it's, it's tricky, right? Because everything we do in community, I think all of us who are in it at any level feel the benefits. You can, you can feel the connection. You can feel the, um, the momentum that you can drive from, from having an engaged community. But unless you actually do the work of, of drawing the line from that momentum and that gut feel to those outcomes in some way, 
it could be hard to defend the investment, whether you're asking people just to participate in it. Like we ask our teams to make sure we have all of our questions in our, in our user groups, they should all be answered. And hopefully community members will help each other do that. But if not, we have to step in and do it. Um, and that's an investment of time. There's an investment of dollars behind a platform. There's an investment of dollars behind people who run the platforms and who drive the engagement with the community. So I'm just curious, like, you know, where do you see the, like, how do you see people making the best case for, you know, the keep keeping community going and, and investing in it to drive those? And do you see it the same way? Like, is it, is it truly this indirect thing? Like I feel like it is for us. Well, so the way I think about this is over the years as I, I was a, you know, VP of community at a couple of companies and you show up to like executive strategy meetings. And, you know, it's funny because CMOs, CFOs, uh, folks like that, they never show up to those meetings and say, well, I think what we're doing is, is working well. It feels good. Uh, you know, so we'll just keep doing that. Right. They come with the hard numbers and the data and they're convincing the CEO or the board or, or whoever's there. Right. And so from a community perspective, that's the challenge for me is like, we need to do the same thing on our end, right? We need to put on our, our big boy pants basically and, and show that, you know, hey, we, we have the same numbers, right? We have the same data to back this up. We have a concrete story that maps what we're doing to the value uh, of, of what this business is trying to achieve. Um, so I very much see it as an imperative that, that you know, you can get, you can get a, a little you know, down the road with the feelings and people going, yeah, this, this seems great and whatever. But ultimately, like any other business unit, like we got to have the data, we got to prove what we're doing. Um, and then the other like ultimate point about that is if you can do that and you can do it successfully and, and you can get the buy-in, um, then it becomes so much easier to ask for more, right? So one of the mistakes that people classically make from a community or a customer experience perspective is they go to these high-level strategy meetings, they meet with the CEO or whatever, and they say, you know, yeah, we're doing all this stuff and it's really great and customers love it. And uh, anyway, I need, I need a million more dollars, right? Or I need more people or I need whatever. And it's sort of like, well, okay, but why? And, and if you can come instead with data and say, here's the value we've delivered to date with the team and resources that are available to us, and now I can tell you that if we invest an additional half a million dollars, million dollars, $10 million, whatever it is, here's the, uh, here's the additional value we're going to generate, right? And so when you come to the meeting and you say, hey, you know, last year we saved $20 million on support costs uh, and revenue generation. And then my next sentence is, oh yeah, by the way, I'd like to hire one more person, you know, probably at 120 grand a year or something. Who cares, right? Who, who cares? Whereas if I'm, if I'm just coming in begging for more resources and asking for more money, it's sort of like, get out of my office, dude, right? But if you come with like, hey, we're saving double digit millions of dollars and I just want to hire one more person for 150K, then that's not really that big of an ask, right? And so you can really help yourself by uh, having that data and that information and, and it helps you build yet even more value in the organization, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. And to your point, that's not dissimilar from what any other part of the business should or, or has, has to do. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, we, we should be no different, right? For sure. Yeah, I was about to say it's a really similar parallel because I think, again, customer success, uh, a lot of our leaders, you know, some of the, the struggle is trying to show and prove the value of having a customer success manager, right? Have, why do you need a specific implementation team? Why do we need a spe specific support team? So I think uh, very similar in the fact that, um, you know, we have to make sure and be able to draw these these business outcomes that we're, we're achieving. Um, I like the the point that you had made there where that was one of the fundamental mistakes, you know, that you feel like community manager or leaders might make, which is like, Kind of asking without having the the data to back it up or having that story to tell. Is there any other any other things that come to mind for you about some of those um, when you start thinking about 
kind of ROI or going into some of those strategy meetings? Any other kind of um, common mistakes that you see maybe uh, higher level leaders around community make uh, kind of walking into those meetings? Um, you know, I, I think just not understanding ultimately like what the true value of something like community can be, right? Um, so a lot of people get focused on one specific use case or metric, right? And so for a lot of companies that starts as support case deflection, right? That's why most companies build communities and that's kind of their entry point. Um, I think one of the mistakes that gets made there is, hey, that's great, right? That's a great use case. It, it, it's, it's totally valuable. It's, it's one of the most you know, well-known ones and, and reasons why most people build these things. But um, ultimately there's so much other value, right? Like you were talking about my presentation at, uh, at the ISCL summit. It's like, you know, we can service, we can essentially be a, a center of excellence, right? That services the rest of the business and say, okay, support, they're good, right? They're deflecting cases, they're saving money, their teams are more efficient. Sales, right? We can help generate new leads. We can help educate customers so that when the time to buy comes, they're more educated and that sale is easier. We can help them on the expand side, right? Customer success, we talked about that a little bit earlier, right? How do we, how do we increase your, your retained numbers and lower your churn and uh, all those things? And so I think being able to have this sort of library of, you know, what are the different value propositions and how do you execute those is really important. And I think because community is a newer, relatively speaking, it's not like accounting or something like that's been around for hundreds of years, because it's a relatively new thing that's only been around for a few decades, people just don't have that experience and they don't know how to tell that story. And that's ultimately where, you know, people like you or people like me come in and we can say, okay, look, you know, here's how we do this and here's how you can get more value. And that's really the companies that are, that are doing this at a, at a very high level and, and getting tons of value. That's what they've done is they've diversified the, the use cases and the ways that they think about value as opposed to just getting laser focused on one and then just sort of like throwing their hands up in the air and saying like, we did it, we're done. We don't need to do anything else. Like there's always something else you could be doing, right? To squeeze more out of this. Yeah. Um, I'm curious. We have, we have a, a friend of the, uh, of the of our community who says there are two types of people in the world: people who categorize things and people who don't. I'm I'm in the I'm in the former camp myself. So I, I tend to look at the um, like I always look at the size of the business that we're talking about in in terms of how they think about things. And in in particular, I'm starting to try to shape up some like framing around what, how they think about community based on how large they are. So bear with me for a second. If you have a smaller software company, right? And generally speaking, they're gonna be maybe private equity backed, maybe even venture backed. Cost is something that somebody worries about, but most people don't, right? Cause they don't tend to run a very high margin, high EBITDA margins anyway. They run at high gross margins like most software businesses do. As you get to scale, then you start worrying about optimizing, you worry about your support costs, that kind of thing. So I guess where I'm going with this is it feels like the larger the, the company is, the more you're going to care about things like, or the more things like support case deflection are going to matter because you can actually measure them and see the, the tangible ROI there versus the smaller companies are really trying to gain visibility. They're trying to build credibility. They're trying to foster their uh, the marketplace that they serve, trying to drive retention and engagement with their customers. I know it's something we are really passionate about doing with our communities. So I wonder if you see it the same way, or do you see any variation there? Like, it, what, what do companies care about at different size and stages relative to, to community in your experience? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think you got it, right? I, I think new startup, you know, smaller companies that are that are trying to grow, you know, are definitely focused on market share. And, and there's usually more marketing use cases there, I would say. Um, whereas, like you said, you get to the big enterprises, they're more concerned with cost and uh, retention and satisfaction and things like that. Um, but, you know, what I would say is, it, so there's definitely like the company size piece. There's definitely like the 
investment size piece. And then there's just every company is different and every community is different. And um, it's, it's what simultaneously makes it challenging, but makes it really fun. You know, for me every day is that every community is so different and the considerations are different and you know, what they want to get out of it's different. And so um, you can't really come to the table with like this cookie cutter, one size fits all thing, because to your point, you know, you, you can't do the same thing at a gigantic enterprise that you would do at a startup with 15 people. Right. And so um, really thinking about deeply, like, what are, what are they trying to get at and how am I going to be the one to help them? Uh, and, and how do I tailor what we're doing to fit their needs becomes extremely important. Right. And that's how you deliver. And I think, you know, back to like mistakes, right. I think in the community industry, there's this tendency to think, you know, hey, the stuff that I did at this small startup over here is totally applicable to this gigantic enterprise. Like, we'll just do the same set of activities. And it's like, no, that's, <laughs> unfortunately, that's not, that's not how it works. And so you have a bunch of people who have seen this kind of at different, you know, phases and ways, but they haven't seen the other ones. And I think that's where, you know, people like me that have just been around forever and done, you know, so many different, I've launched like hundreds of communities, right, with businesses of all stripes. Um, kind of gives you more of that perspective of like what to do when and how to treat different situations, right? Because it's not it's yeah. not a one size fits all, um, which you know, good good and bad with that. Yeah, totally. I, so I'm glad you brought up that you've done hundreds of these. I was, I was going to ask you like, if you have to look across all those, what's one that you're particularly proud of, and what what was the use case? What did it look like? That kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the one the one that I'd point to uh, for this this show and this question is, uh, you know, I worked at I worked at this company at Altrix, right? Um, and I showed up, and the CEO was like, "Hey, we think community is going to be this big pillar of our business, and we we want to go all in on this, right?" And so I was like, "Yeah, cool, sign me up." So, so I was um, say, that's got to be a good feeling for your CEO, right? Like that's got to be a good uh, good feeling walking in the door when he says that. Yeah. Um, simultaneously exciting and uh, terrifying at the same time, right? Because now you get to put your money where your mouth <laughs> yeah. is, which is great. So the the reason I point to this one is because, the, you know, the reason I went there and, and the reason I think it's a great example is because we we did everything, right? And what I mean by that is we didn't stop with one use case. We We did what I described earlier, where we deployed every possible type of you know, use case and value proposition and everything that we could because we thought, well, we want to leave no stone unturned, right? We want this to be a shining example of everything that we've learned at that point, you know, 15 years into my career and community. Let's take everything we've ever learned and like go build this shining example on the hill. Um, and, and I'm really proud to say that I, I think we accomplished that. And we had a great team of people, you know, that, that came and, and did that and execute that still to this day over there at that company. And so um, I think, you know, that's a really positive example of one that, that had the buy-in, had the backing, but we were able to prove what we were doing and therefore we're able to build it even bigger, you know, over, over time. And so um, I, that's sort of my template, right? So when I go to work with companies now, um, again, I'm not trying to replicate what we did at Altrix or, or, you know, just reuse everything and think it's going to work out. But in terms of the vision of here's what it could be and here's what the value could look like and here's all of the different ways that we can use this to support our customers and, and our business, uh, I think was, is probably the you know, ultimate example I have at this point of, of things I've worked on. That's very cool. And I think to your point, when you begin to layer in the use cases, they sort of build on each other and it's like an exponential return in my mind because one feeds the other, right? Like the, the knowledge and the engagement from the actual customers and what they provide into the community actually can be fuel for what you're trying to do on the go-to-market side of what the community provides. I don't know if you see it the same way, but it feels to me like a very cyclical, like a thing that builds upon itself as you, as you implement more of these use cases. 
Yeah, that's right. And, and you're hitting on the key thing here, which is um, a lot of people go into building community or customer experiences thinking that it's a one-way street, right? Oh, we're going to build all this stuff and customers are going to show up and they're going to give us tons of value. And I'm going to, you know, go to a meeting and talk about how many millions of dollars we made. And like, I'm going to be this big hero. Um, and what they're missing is the whole other complete side, which is you have to lead with value, right? Like this whole thing is like, how do we come to the table with value that these people haven't yet seen before from your organization and make truly make the experience better? Um, cheaper, faster, more efficient, you know, whatever those things are for you and for them. And only then when you have that shared value, have you created something that's going to scale and it's going to last and is going to bring value to both parties. And those are the, those are the communities and customer experiences that really matter and the ones that, that drive the majority of the value. So it, it's, it's just a little bit different way of thinking about how to attack a problem as opposed to our typical you know, we'll, we'll launch a program and then we'll ask our customers to do all the work and, and provide value for us. It's, it's more, what, what can we do for you? And then in the end, you'll get it back, right? If you do it correctly. Yeah. The, the trigger word for us that uh, makes us smile is lead with value. Cause I think that's what we've, we've tried to adopt, especially uh, throughout our consulting careers that we had for the last three years. And then also with um, you know, our team here from a customer success angle, that's the, we're always trying to make sure our teams are leading with value, right? We don't want our customer success managers to have the, Hey, how's it going type of meeting. It's got to be a, Hey, I've got something of value to give you. Uh, so we avoid those types of moments. And I think even just making sure that that is true in other experiences that we create, right? What's the value in having a knowledge base or a support center? What's the value in having the Academy? What's the value in having the community and being able to articulate that to customers, I think is something that people sometimes, sometimes miss also, which is, uh, understand helping the customer understand why all of these experiences why all of these experiences exist and then uh, what it's going to do to enhance their experience. I think that's sometimes uh, like I've been a part of uh, you know a, a customer of companies where I didn't know where to go because I couldn't really articulate the value of all these different places and, and what was held where and why it was there right and I think that's also part of the challenge is trying to make sure that you can have these experiences live next to one another and they've actually got discrete value that you can provide that is differentiated, uh, but at the same time creates a, a cohesive and a whole experience that is going to be the driver. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. You had a thought. Yeah. I, uh, I met this, uh, this client uh, years ago. Um, I was doing consulting at that time as well. And, and um, she had this big like plant behind her in her, her office or her home office. And we were, she was, she was part of the CS org at this company. And, um, she was sort of describing a frustration to me about, you know, we, we've tried all these programs and, and nothing seems to work and we're, you know, we're not getting traction. Um, and I said, oh, okay, well, you know, tell me a little bit about those programs. And it was all this sort of one way kind of thinking of like, well, we, we did the minimum possible and we don't understand why people aren't, you know, why, why our customers aren't uh, engaging, you know, and contributing and why we're not seeing value. And I said, I said, hey, you know, that's a really nice plant you got behind you. Um, you probably water that every day or, you know, let it get some sun and, and that, right. And she looked very perplexed. Right. And she said, well, yeah, I've watered a couple times a week. And I said, well, there you go. Right. Like you, you wouldn't expect it to grow and, and, you know, be this big vibrant plant with blossoms and whatever, if you didn't give it some, some love and actually contribute something to it. And, um, you know, I think she kind of stared at me for, for a couple seconds there, but I think she got the point, right. That it's like, these things require care and feeding and you got to put a lot into it before you're going to get something out of it. And so in that regard, uh, that is one thing that can frustrate people a little bit about, you know, CX and community is it's like, oh, well, it's this big upfront investment. And it's like, yeah, but trust me, you're going to get it back in the long run if you do it the right way. But yes, there is, it's an investment, right? You can't expect to to do this with, with you know, no investment and somehow get all this value. And so I think it's just a, a mindset shift for a lot of people. 
I'm, I'm glad you spoke first there because you said it way more eloquently, but I was thinking the whole, the whole idea here is give before you get, yeah. and then it ends up coming back in spades, right? So yep. not just like, hey, where are my leads from the community? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we often talk to, I think the biggest thing maybe that, that Jay and I have, have learned just from building our own personal brands over uh, the last year or so, you know, we, we've tried to maybe double down on LinkedIn ourselves because we, we felt like that was uh, something that was gonna be valuable to us, you know, later in our careers. But I think maybe the one thing I've, I've figured out or learned is that um, there's always, and I think this is where you're getting at too, uh, Brian, there's always going to be this loop where um, the content I think is, is parting to be starting to become a bar, larger part of the story in community where um, you can actually have access to what customers are thinking, feeling, in the moment, right? And then that should really help start feeding some of our customer engagement strategies, start feeding some of our proactive customer success outreach. Um, like there's so many things that can actually come when you um, also just listen to the community. Um, you know, you have to, like you said, you have to tend to it, you have to water it, you have to make sure there's actual uh, engagement and discussion happening, but uh, there's all these things and benefits that you can have as an organization uh, in education, customer success, product, uh, kind of all parts support organization as well um, that come out of it in spades for sure. Yeah. You know, it's funny because so many companies talk about, you know, data is the new oil or, you know, insights are the new oil, right? And those kinds of things. And and one thing that I respond to when I hear that is, you know, that's the beautiful part about communities, right? Is that you're going to learn more about your customers and what they like and don't like and what their ideas are and uh, just generally connect with them more in six months than you probably did in the previous six years, right? If you launch a successful community. And so, you know, for product, for development, for uh, customer experience for customer success teams, anybody who's customer facing, uh, it's just such a fantastic opportunity to connect with these people in a way that you haven't before and truly understand what their motivations are, what they need to be successful and what you need to do to make those things happen. Um, and if, if you really concentrate on how you collect and funnel and prioritize and then ultimately deliver back uh, on those, you know, that feedback that you're getting through the community and, and those mechanisms, um, your company, your products, your experience, everything will be so much greater uh, as a result. And, and then the dollars follow, right? And so um, it, it's just an amazing opportunity to connect with people. And it sounds kind of fluffy, but I'm telling you that stuff turns into real, real dollars and real value pretty quickly. Right. How do you think about multi-channel? Because community to us is not just like an online community, although that tends to be a big portion of it and can be a hub, so to speak. How do you think about things that go on outside of the, of a traditional online community as being integrated into it? Yeah. You know, uh, I, I don't remember who this is and I apologize. I don't want to steal it, but uh, I was at a conference at, at one point years ago and someone had described what this, what we're talking about as big C and little C. And what they meant to say was that the little C is the website. So that's community.whatever.com. Um, and then the big C is everything, right? This big umbrella that includes uh, perhaps social media, perhaps it includes um, you know, offline events, everything, you know, advocacy programs, MVP programs, all this stuff is like our, what's the whole pie? You know, our community is anybody that we ever uh, had a touch point with, right? Whether from prospect to someone who's been with us for 15 years, um, that's our, that's our community, right? And then also the industry as well. And so, um, you know, I think about that a lot and I try to espouse that to people that like, what you don't want is your community to just be a website, although that's a very critical, important, you, you need to have an on-domain community. Um, but you need to be thinking bigger uh, in that. And this is where my background in customer experience comes in to sort of help people understand, you know, what are all those touch points, right? Across the entirety of your company and your, your experience that you provide, because there's probably a lot of people 
um, that could, you know, deliver more value and do different things if you really thought deeply about the, the big C there and, and how does it all fit together as one big cohesive strategy? We, uh, when we launched Gangro Retain, it actually didn't, didn't start with an online community. It started with something we called office hours. And it was like a virtual Zoom call that we still to this day hold every Thursday, every Thursday at 1130. If you're listening. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show up and start heckling you. <laughs> we sh- you should. We should actually have a conversation <laughs> about community on there someday because uh, a lot of people are interested in it and they don't know where to start, I think, sometimes. But, um, but I mean, it, we, we considered our initial community like the, the group of people that we ended up having a lot of conversations with on LinkedIn. And then that joined us for our office hours. And then, I don't know, what was it, Jeff, three months after that? That's when we launched our first online community and it sort of brought it all together at that point, which was really cool. We then had a presence that sort of centralized everything. But to your point, it was it was our audience was the way we thought about our community, not the people who were members of a of an online database per se. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't know if any of my community industry uh, brothers and sisters are, are going to listen. You know, to this, but uh, they, they might be a little upset to hear what I'm about to say. But it's true. Is that you know, as an industry, we're 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 like overly protective of the word community, right? And there's just constant like defense of it and what does it mean? And you can only use it for this. And marketers are using it now, and that pisses us off and whatever. And I'm like, you know. Um, we can, we can do what we can do, right. To define the sphere of what this is. Um, and other people are going to use it, however they're going to use it. But I think you're right that, um, I'm a little more loose on, on the definition and and the usage of it these days. And I think it's totally fine if, um, there's some different approaches, right. I think it's a good thing that there's like diversity of how people think about their community and how they want to deliver on it. Um, and this goes back to my comment earlier about not trying to do the same thing, you know, 300 times in a row, <laughs> like, like everybody's different. They got their own situation. And yeah, I mean, lots of companies come to me and they say, Hey, we want to start with an adv- advocacy program, or we want to start with user groups, or we want to start with, you know, any of the other 10, 15 programs that you could do with before, you know, you launch a formal, uh, little C, you know, community. And I think that's great. Like they're getting their feet wet, they're learning, um, you know, they're trying to understand who their audience is prior to making the big investment and going in on community. And I think that's great. On the other hand, there's people who are like, no, we're going to go all in, right? Make the big investment and go all in on, on domain community. And that's great too. And I don't think there's, you know, uh, all of that's valid to me, right? And I think we should stop a little bit of the, um, you know, back and forth and defense of the word and this kind of stuff. And it's like, let's do, let's do what's right for our customers, right? That's the guiding light. Um, and if we do that, then everything else will work out. Yeah, totally. I, I think it's interesting. And in in it's um, starting with a use case is probably better than starting with something called community, if you think about it, because there's an actual problem that somebody is trying to solve. And we're saying, okay, community is a means to do that. So let's go put that in and see if we can solve the problem. And, oh, by the way, we have a community now. So we could go solve these other three or four problems if we just really think about it a little bit and start putting some elbow grease behind it. So I actually like that a lot because it seems like it's easier to get traction back to your point about value and showing results. If you could show results in one place and then sort of extrapolate that to the next use case, um, as opposed to saying, hey, we're gonna put a community in and it's gonna be a panacea for us, but I can't really tell you how yet. It seems like a better path. So yeah. it lines up with what you were saying earlier. The, um, the other thing I was just thinking about too, Brian, I'm curious in, uh, in this year of 2020, if you've seen maybe creative ways that people have used community, you know, considering that we had to go virtual, that we can't see things in person. I'm curious if you've just found or come across anything that you've just kind of felt like, wow, it's a unique way that people have, um, you know, kind of innovated on community during a year like 2020. 
Yeah. So I'll say two things about this. So uh, thing number one is that I've seen a lot of things where people are like, wow, that's, that's amazing. That's unique. Look how they've used their community in this, you know, these quote unquote unprecedented times trademark, um, you know, and, and I look at that stuff and I'm like, yeah, we've been doing that for 20 years. You just didn't know about it. Right. Because now it's sort of, yeah. in the, it's in the limelight, it's in the spotlight. And so there's a lot of that stuff that I'm glad that it's now getting the attention that it deserves um, because it, these are valuable things and can bring a lot of value to companies. So that's, that's one side of it. The other side is yes, absolutely. There's people that have, that have done truly unique, you know, kind of thoughtful, Oh, let's, let's tear this up and, and rethink how we're going to do this. And, um, you know, I, I think a lot of that has been on kind of the event side, right? We've seen a lot of people thinking through like, okay, how do I, take what I was doing before in person and now make it hybrid or make it virtual? What do those experiences look like? Are there new technologies that maybe, you know, give a better experience than what we were doing before? So I've seen a lot on the event side and I've seen a lot on the like advocacy, you know, sort of rank reward reputation side of thinking about, well, if we're a retailer, for example, um, then our experience, at least for the last six months has been a lot less about the retail experience and more about our online uh, channels and how we connect with people on different places. And so, yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of kind of innovation that's come out of that. And I, I think that'll be good for the future. Some of that we can continue. Some of it will go away completely. And then other pieces will be, you know, kind of hybrid wrapped into things they were doing pre-pandemic. And so it's an exciting time, you know, for for community and customer experience. You're seeing a lot of, um, you know, experimentation just because people could and they were afforded that opportunity. Uh, and I think that, uh, you know, a lot of, lot of good outcomes there, a lot of value. Yeah, that was something that we we tried to do pretty quickly. Um, we you know we uh, moved our conference to more of a two week you know couple hours a day type of uh, content digest, so to speak, and instead of trying to cram it into like a one or two day event like you might see in kind of a normal you know in person uh, environment. And I think we we had some good feedback around that. So now we're trying to figure out how do we continue to innovate around you know doing that maybe even for a longer for year round, right? Like how do we actually bring some of those experiences to our customer? even just on a regular basis. Uh, Cause you know, even though it was virtual, it doesn't mean we can't just keep continuing to do that on a regular basis too. Yeah. There, there's so much value from an event perspective specifically um, in embracing, you know, some of these virtual uh, ideas and modes and methods of, of delivering events. I think ultimately we're going to come around to hybrid, right? I think you're going to see a lot of like, Hey, we're, you know, we'll be in person in San Francisco, but also like the whole world can still join and watch virtually. And I think that's ultimately going to be, the right mix for a lot of this. Um, you, you get, I, I was listening to a podcast uh, interview not too long ago with the CEO of Okta. And he was talking about how in the middle of the pandemic, they delivered their Octane conference and had 5,000 or, or usually, I'm sorry. So usually when they do it in person, they have 5,000 attendees. And he said that in the first like week, they had 50,000 people uh, watch the recordings of the, you know, of the virtual That's event. Huge. And, you know, wow. he was just making the point of like, why would we ever not do that? Right? Like you're cutting off such a huge, amount of people that are now getting access to this for the first time. And, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that seems obvious in hindsight, but is such a clear, I think, uh, signpost for the future in, in thinking about how do we deliver these kinds of things? Uh, it needs to be a little different than what we were doing, uh, before the pandemic. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, it kind of goes back to delivering value too, right? If we have a valuable experience, we can deliver to our customers, then, uh, why aren't we just, you know, finding the right way to do that? Uh, and we think about that a lot with our content. Um, so, you know, if we have valuable, toolkits, if we have valuable presentations, templates, things that we put together uh, and it works for one customer, why not open that up, share it out with many customers and just try and, you know, maybe they can use it, maybe they can't, but at least just that type of proactive nature of always trying to give value back to the customer is going to come back in spades at some point, like you said. Um, and, you know, there's no need for us to 
keep things behind a proverbial closed door or uh, you know a, a form fill, so to speak. You don't wait. So you don't want to put it behind a form fill, a login, and a secret handshake. What's Whoa. wrong with you? Don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because because that's really how you deliver value at scale is you hide everything, guys. Um, which is well, it's, it's back uh, to the give before you get thing too, right? We're asking them to give before they get in that scenario. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, no. we don't have to go down. <laughs> Jeff knows I, I've been tune in next week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're going to bring Brian back just to talk all about that. I could go for um, these gentlemen. Maybe that'll awesome. be a, uh, a six week run of your, your year long conference. will just be me angrily yelling at clouds. Yeah, we about, just, we'll uh, start a new podcast on that. Yeah. <laughs> what not to do. Uh, awesome. Well, Brian, this has been perfect. You know, enjoyed all these uh, good discussions. I have a feeling that we're, we're going to have to invite you back at some time at some point soon. Cause I think there's even other topics that we want to dive into around community that could be, you know, beneficial around uh, engagement, you know, thinking about gamification, I think is another one that's always really interesting and, and fun to uh, kind of b- bounce ideas around. So uh, I'm sure uh, hopefully if you enjoyed this, then we're going to, you know, uh, maybe have you back at some point and uh, make sure our audience is uh, excited about that. But if, people are interested in uh, finding you or your writing, your work, uh, your podcast, where can they go do that the best? Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks. Thanks for having me. Happy to come back anytime. And uh, you know, this is what I do. This is what I talk about. I love this stuff. So if you want more, um, I'm just Brian Oblinger everywhere. Uh, That's just me. I'm just Brian. Uh, So uh, at Brian Oblinger, uh, obviously on Twitter, uh, Brian Oblinger on LinkedIn. Uh, The podcast is in before the lock, which is ib4tl.fm, or you can just get it in any, you know, podcast app. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I did want to mention before, cause you were, we talked about the slides, uh, that I had put out from that conference talk. So here's a good example of not putting it behind a form fill. So if you just go to brianoblinger.com slash slides, you will find uh, an archive of all the slides I've ever presented at uh, public conferences over the last few years, download them, copy them, steal them. I don't care. Uh, you know, I just, I love spreading the, spreading the value and, uh, hopefully it, hopefully it helps people out. Man, that warms Jay's heart. And, uh, I love, I love that practice. Uh, it's something that we've, uh, we've tried to do too. So, uh, Brian, well, this was perfect. And, uh, hopefully we'll, we'll get the chance to talk to you again soon. And, uh, you know, hopefully you get to enjoy some pineapple over the weekend. <laughs> yeah. You too, guys. Thanks for having me. Great to meet you, man. Thank you. Yep. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the gain, grow, retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.